Welcome to the Safety Pro Roundtable. Every week on this show, you will hear from safety professionals around the industry as we talk about challenges, innovations, and stories that will help you lead a better safety program. This is the Safety Pro Roundtable. Welcome back to the Safety Pro Roundtable podcast. I'm Stacey Godbold, and I am your host. And today, I have the honor of talking to two storytellers today that share vulnerably their safety stories. They make safety personal, and you'll hear why in just a moment. All right, I'm here with Robert Cameron. Who are you with? HF Sinclair now. We were Holly Frontier now. I'm HF Sinclair. Okay. Um, and what do you do there? I'm a top operator, which means that I run a unit that reforms gasoline products and kerosene products. Okay. So you are joining the podcast name because you have a story. I do. I have a story that I thought... Uh, I don't get to share it in the manner that I like sharing it. And in order to start this, this story culminates on September 4th, 2017, Labor Day. Um, but it started two years prior to that, to where in my unit we run a, a series of furnaces. And in this hydro-treating unit, there's one particular furnace. And gasoline feedstock comes into this unit is preheated through exchangers and then it goes through the actual furnace which has a 20 foot tall flame in the middle of it and it's about five foot round and then uh, the process the gasoline is in pipes uh, for the processing and that furnace had been a problem the furnace was old i mean older than i am i don't have any idea what year it was put in somewhere in the 60s or early 70s and we've been complaining about this furnace because production kept increasing and uh, the furnaces and the process was never repaired and so we had started complaining that they continually have us uh, at the time I was a board operator which means I sat in front of 12 computer screens watching how these units run and made adjustments to it and they kept raising our uh, upper firebox temperature limits, how much feed you can put in there, how much fuel gas you can put in there, how big a flame you can have in it. They kept raising that up without actually changing the furnace. The furnace never shut down. They did no modifications to the furnace. And for two years, we had complained about this. And I asked for answers from engineers and from safety department. On June 21st, 2017, we got an email from the engineering department. And in this email, it was like six or seven pages long. It was a whole bunch of engineering talk and stuff like that. And this September 21st email, one sentence in there haunts me still to this day. And that is that continued operation at the same or higher temperatures and pressures will lead to 100% creep and expected tube failure. September 4th, 2017, at 10.52 in the morning, I was operating the board. It was Labor Day. Tim Underwood, who I'd worked with for 15 years, uh, he was outside working along with uh, two of my very good friends, John McCoy and Brett Carr. And I hollered, normal thing here. Lost H22 charge heater. That was something that happened quite regularly where the thing had just crash, just go down, and they'd have to go relight it. Tim was always the first one outside. I mean, he was just zippity doo dog, man. He would go. And so he went outside, and I heard on the radio, which keep in mind, I'm a quarter mile away from these guys, and uh, 
on the radio, Tim got on the radio and he said, Rick, you better get out of here. And then there was radio silence. I heard nothing from Tim, John, anybody. It seemed like forever. All of a sudden, in this room that I worked in, there were nine other operating units in there and their board people. All of a sudden, I started hearing their radios go off saying, I've never seen such big flames. And what seemed like an eternity was probably three minutes. And then my operator at that time, Brett gets on the radio and he says, Robert, shut it down, shut it all down. And I said, what's going on? He said, Robert, just shut it down. Tim's burnt back. So I go to shutting down. And at that time, we didn't have any safety interlocks. Either. I thought I had to do all this stuff by pushing buttons on the computer. What year was this? Uh, 2017. So that's not cool. And uh, so... I get everything shut down. By 11.02, that unit was shut down, everything except the compressor that was pumping pure hydrogen onto a fire. The fire department was there, and what had happened was John and uh, Breck had started to go out the door, I mean, 30 seconds after Tim. The explosion hit, flames started flying out the bottom of a furnace, which doesn't generally happen. And if the flames engulfed Tim, it blew Breck back into the building. It blew John to the north side of the building. So Breck runs over to the phone, calls 911. John makes his way back into the building unhurt. And uh, those two guys are sitting there wondering, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? The door opens and Tim comes crawling in, skin hanging all over him and all that. So they grab him, put him in the, in the shower and are trying to cool him off. And for me, I'm up on the board not getting any any feedback from anybody because those guys aren't concerned about what I'm doing, right? Other than I need to shut it down. And I, I had the unit under control within six minutes, but I still wasn't getting anything. I couldn't shut the compressors off. So our fire brigade is there. They reacted very quickly. They started putting water on things that needed to be water put on, uh, but those compressors were still pumping uh, hydrogen onto this fire. And when all the dust settled in that day, uh, Tim ended up uh, having fatal injuries, and he died at 11.54 that night uh, in a local, the big city of Wichita, which is 30 miles away from us. And he ended up dying, and his wife wanted to make sure that, that he died on the day of the accident. So it wasn't, so we waited till all the family got there. His family were able to say goodbye uh, to Tim. And uh, that's when his burns internal to his lungs were so bad that they couldn't do anything. So uh, in the aftermath of that, in the investigation of that, which to my knowledge still to this day has never been actually closed out, not for any of us that work in that unit, at least, and not for Tim's family, uh, who we see every year on the anniversary of it. But the investigation that seemed to ignore what the root of this was that uh, and you had asked me earlier about this last uh, lecture I just went through it actually hit every button on this particular incident I had no idea it was called human performance failing safe safely and that hit every button that I didn't use stop work authority which the reasons that we don't do those sort of things, I've been empowered by the company with stop work authority. I didn't use it. Why? Because we're talking millions of dollars to shut that thing down. And 
I'm not an engineer. I'm an operator who's been griping about this furnace for two years who gave up on June 21st when I got a big, long email stating, hey, here's why we're going to go ahead and run this. I had to use some guesswork because records haven't been kept on this furnace, but it, it'll make it till spring or it'll make it till fall or late fall. And it didn't. And so the things that this class we just talked about in that class or heard about was was the human factor in this, where they'll find somebody that gives them the answer. So they, they have the answer that they want. You make a formula to fit that answer. And we're still not where we need to be with safety. And that's kind of why I wanted to come here and I volunteered to do this, because uh, I don't get a chance to let other people know that the people who do the work mean something. The people who do the work know something. And when you do it as long as as we do this in that industry and you're not going to listen to us, what good are you? I'm here with Skipper Kendrick and um, I grabbed his card and I said, what do you want to talk about today? And then I saw that your, lo your, your slogan is making safety personal. Yes. And I think that that's... Very interesting. So tell me about that. Why, why is that your slogan? And it goes back a number of years. And I was doing work at home in the backyard and doing things that safety folks should do, even though it is in the backyard. <laughs> and I had an accident that involved a trip to the emergency room. Um, as we got back and a day or two later, um, it was not a pretty picture. But I decided to get a picture because there may be something that I could use as a result of my errors and my learnings in my backyard. And as my wife handed me the camera back, she said, how does it feel now that it's personal, Mr. Safety Guy? And that <laughs> comment hurt more than a hit on top of my head. Oh, and wow. it caused me to thinking because at that point in time, I was a corporate executive and I, my time was spent crunching numbers, making presentations in meetings. And I had literally forgotten what safety is all about in that each person comes in work with the idea of going home pretty much the same way they came in. And it, it, it struck a chord, and to the point that it's now been my tagline. It's on my business cards. It's on my website. And if you'll notice, so that <gasps> so I'm a the creature, camera. I'm this a is so cool. On short sleeve or long sleeve, embroidered is make it personal because right arm goes in first. So that as I'm wearing the company logo, I never forget the message. Now, what I found, it's a good message. It's a fantastic message. It's not easy to do, but as a good friend of mine, Ms. Kathy Seabrook says, connecting the dots, it's all about connecting the dots. So if we can connect the dots to this thing called safety and have them get it in a personal perspective, then um, we've, we've done what I think is safety professionals uh, we're put on this earth to do. So what do you do with your in your business? At this point in time, uh, the majority of my work over the past three to five years has been with safety management systems, 
Um, I do a master's class for the University of Texas Arlington uh, Regional Education Center um, in developing a safety management system. And I also do a lot of virtual training. But the reason for being here, other than to be with you, uh, the reason for being here today is my presentation, which was ramping up your skills and becoming a better presenter. Mm. And I'm like the Blues Brothers. I'm on a mission. PowerPoint <laughs> is the, PowerPoint is the tool. But uh, do we need to kill them and death by PowerPoint with bullet points and copy and paste? And I did a little session from my master class on PowerPoint uh, in how to elevate your PowerPoint presentation, how to gain their attention without putting 300 words on the screen. Um, you are singing my song. Okay, Skipper. Can you tell, I mean, tell everybody, tell everybody what you know. I want to, I want just, just go for okay. it. What I what I know is about this much, but <laughs> what I have found is that PowerPoint is a fantastic and a tremendous tool. And especially uh, after 2019 versions, because in, we showed them yesterday in two clicks, how to change a bullet point into a visual mm. that is more appealing. And I used the little tagline, what, what travels faster? the speed of light or the speed of sound, the speed of light. So the context there is if I can draw you in visually, then maybe I've got a chance to get you in to listen to what we say. Yeah. So it's called smart art. And in two clicks, you can take any bullet point and convert it to smart art. Now the older versions, you had to build smart art mm -hmm. there. Um, the pictures, we can use our own pictures, which are always better, but the new versions of PowerPoint have stock images yeah. and going online. And these help us solve the issue that we deal with today. And that is the copyright issues because they've already taken care of that. Exactly. And one of the things that real I really like is they built into the tool a rehearsal feature. When you go mm -hmm. to SlideShare over onto the right, and I don't know where your ribbon is, but it's up there. And there's a rehearsal feature that will allow you to make your presentation and artificial intelligence built within PowerPoint will help guide you through and coach you into anything that will make your presentations a little bit better. So what do you think about the ratio between images and copy? Images and copy. Test. If I if I am designing, and again, this is skipperism. Yeah. I just want to uh, know if you can make the most. There are going to be very few, very few words and a lot of pictures. Because if I, as a presenter, cannot bring you to that picture mm -hmm. with the words coming out of my mouth and also making it personal, personal images, images of the workplace, yes. not stuff that we get off of the internet. Okay. Then we establish that personal connection. And as such, it's a more effective training and we, we get it. We get it. So you're saying put an image on the screen and then just talk 
to, to the image. Talk to the image. Because if you have, even if you have three sentences that are short, that are bullet points, you're 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 asking that person to do the work. You're you're saying, I want I want you to do this. I want you to read. Even if I'm reading it to you, you mm-hmm. need to read along to it. So just having just an image on the board, and then you and so then you kind of let them create the picture or you create the scenario, right? We create the scenario, but with caution. Okay. Is that we make sure that our words mm-hmm. are the same and what they're getting is what we really mean. So that here's the key. And we do this and we did it yesterday. And I put up on the screen a sentence and the, and the audience then gives inflection to one word mm-hmm. in the sentence. And the sentence is, I didn't say he stole the money. So I didn't say he stole the money. I didn't say he stole the money. <laughs> I didn't say he stole the money. <laughs> and in the three different inflections, oh, there are three man. different meanings. And we've got to be cautious in that to draw the audience to the right message that that picture is giving. So true. And if you have your image up, you can have your own notes that you're speaking to. You don't need to read what's on the screen. And some some places have where, you know, your your image on the screen, then you can have your notes on the screen. Or heck, you're gonna just have it on a piece of, on your, on your paper. So you're speaking to the image and you're allowing them to visualize without reading. Yes, and PowerPoint actually has a tool. It's called Presenter's View. Yes. So you can take those three bullet points and put it in there. However, the neat thing about the new rehearsal tool, and I've tried this, is if you talk to the folks to that picture or image, and then you start reading from the text, the artificial intelligence picks up the tonality so of your voice and will coach you where you started reading versus where you were just talking with Ooh. the audience. So the the key here is if coaching to any presenters, if you can't get up and talk to an image or talk to the concept so or even better yet, if you just can't get up, no PowerPoints, nothing and present your message to the audience, then maybe you shouldn't ought to do it. Sure. Or practice more, get Uh, really comfortable with your content. The practice more is, I love it. It's in golf. Poor practice is going to make a perfectly poor round of golf. Mm. So that as we practice, you got to practice crappy swing yeah. you, 20 you, times you're you going to still you're have gonna a get it's you're going to build swing. muscle memory into this and that's another reason why I like the the tool within powerpoint because it will give you those hints those us and us the rate at which you talk the constant which I've not been able to get rid of yet is it tells me that the pitch of my voice is low well, I know that. Well, I sing bass. We know I, that. I sing it's... bass in the church choir, and I can't get falsetto <laughs> anymore. So it, you got to, but I understand it. And there are certain people that uh, if that 
level and that range in their speech, I'm, it's my duty to be able to do something about it, not them. So to wrap this up, we can take, we can slash the saying death by PowerPoint. We can slash it and say, that's not true. Use the PowerPoint. It's a really powerful platform, but use less words. That's right. And just use images and paint the picture and use your words carefully yeah. to paint that picture. That is fantastic, Grab, because PowerPoint is not the issue. It's not it's the enemy. The developer. <laughs> because if if Skipper delivers a sucky presentation, that's because Skipper sucks <laughs> as a presenter. It's not because of PowerPoint. <laughs> You're right. Don't shoot the messenger. That's right. Yes. Oh, cool. Thank you. Thank it's you. so wonderful. Right. I, appreciate I appreciate you. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on the Safety Pro Roundtable. This podcast is brought to you by Sospis, bringing you the best EH software in the industry. If you're ready to learn more about how an EHS software can transform your safety program, your profits, and your entire company, head to www.sospis.com slash podcast. That is www.sospes.com slash podcast. We'll see you next time on the Safety Pro Roundtable.